0: Well, I love that introduction. I must seem as old as dirt. (laughs) I'm even older. Uh, The life we've uh, lived serving the Lord Jesus has been very, very full. I wish for every one of you a life as full and overflowing and as exciting and as unexpected as mine has been. I really mean that with all my heart. My wife and I stand, sit, walk, talk in awe of what it means to know the Lord and live with him and how exciting and dramatic it is. You are all studying people of the passion throughout this Lent if you are regularly here on Sunday morning. In other words, the people who turn up in and around the life of Jesus uh, while he's going through the suffering of rejection and execution and resurrection. And one such person is Mary Magdalene. It was one of those names of the ladies at the cross, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. Now that name is a famous name. There's next to nothing about her in the gospel until you get to the crucifixion. Luke chapter 6, there's a brief mention of her as one whom Jesus cast out seven demons from her and that she traveled with an entourage of women around Jesus and the disciples who were helpers tending to their human needs she's gotten the reputation I think through the Catholic tradition and I don't know where the Catholics get it from I've looked for it that she was a prostitute there is no mention of that in the gospels and that she barely is mentioned until the crucifixion, is astounding. In Oxford University, there is a college named after her. It's pronounced in Oxford as Magdalene College, but it's really spelled Magdalene. But Oxford, which is where I was born and raised, calls it, for some reason or other that nobody knows as well, Magdalen College. I don't know how you get there, unless it's snobby Oxford. <laughs> there is a Magdalen College at Cambridge University. They call it by its proper name Magdalen by the way C.S. Lewis taught at Magdalen College Oxford that was his college and Magdalen College was just down the road from where I lived you could ride your bicycle to Magdalen College from my home in maybe 10 minutes or so Mary Magdalene has an immense refutation and it virtually begins at the cross because she was there she was standing at the cross and i want to read a passage from the resurrection just to connect with that because of all the people who might have been the first person listen to me of all the people who might have been the first person to whom the resurrected Jesus presented himself. It was Mary Magdalene, who comes out of nowhere to be standing at the cross, and pretty much disappears once that's all over. But she was at the cross, and she was at the empty tomb, one of the women who went to embalm the body of Jesus to finish up what was really a half-finished funeral. So I just want to read this scene to you from John's Gospel, chapter 20. So when the disciples went back to their homes, Mary, this is Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Can you imagine that, poor soul? How was she going to get and carry a dead body? You can tell how much just in this description she loved the Lord Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And it was the way Jesus said her name that brought about the realization that it was Jesus. All Jesus said was Mary. And communicated in the way he said her name. She, in a startled fashion, said, Rabboni, that is, teacher. She knew it was him because of how he said her name. Previously, she thought he was the gardener. Wondered where the body was gone. And then all he said was her name, Mary. I wish I could say it in a fashion and I'm endeavoring to, as you can hear, that would communicate compassion, love, and knowledge of her, who she was, how important she was to him, Jesus, Mary. When was the last time anyone said your name and communicated everything that Jesus communicated in just saying her name mary can you hear it mary broken hearted crushed dispirited mary i want you to imagine just for a moment jesus saying your name Did you hear it Gregory? See now I've got everybody's attention. Now I've got yours too. Gregory. Susan. Mark. Raymond. Helen. Whatever is your name. Hear Jesus say your name. Do you hear it? Do you hear him say your name? And when he says it, you know, he knows who you are. I mean, really knows you. He's not just calling out your name. He's not just calling you and instructing you. He is expressing a depth of compassion and love, a knowing kind of love for you. I wish I could point to you one at a time and knowing your name, say your name and try to communicate what Jesus communicates to you of how much... He loves you. And the reason, as Greg asked me, who would you like to speak about? It was Mary Magdalene. Because there's not much to say about her. But there's a lot to be said about how Jesus loved her. She was at the cross, she'd gone to finish off a funeral. And she ran into Jesus. And all he said was her name. And you could see from what Jesus was responding. Don't come hug me. Don't embrace me. I have yet to go to the Father. Whatever that meant. You go tell the disciples that I am going to the Father. tell them I will meet with them and when she did and the different gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus all four gospels have the Lord encountering Mary Magdalene and giving her the instructions along with the ladies who were around with her to go tell the disciples that the Lord is risen they got the message from Mary Magdalene and they didn't believe her they thought she was off her head that it, whether it was despair or something else that drove her they one translation said they counted it an old wives' tale nonsense but jesus was alive in luke's gospel Go tell the disciples and Peter that you've met me, that I'm alive. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Why Peter? You know why Peter, if you know the story. Because when Peter last saw Jesus, it was a look that Jesus gave him. Peter having denied him three times at a critical point in the life of Jesus, on trial, kangaroo court, no justice, no honor, no dignity, everything wrong about it, and Jesus condemned to death, at least virtually at that point, because that's what the leadership wanted. Peter denied knowing him, having anything to do with him. And as Jesus left that courtyard, being taken on his way to some other part of the trial, he turned and looked at Peter. What do you think that look was? For the longest time I had on my desk, particularly as a theological student in Trinity, Bristol, Trinity College, Bristol, a picture by a famous artist of Jesus and looking, just his head and shoulders. And it said, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter. But the look portrayed was of compassion, but not soppy, not sentimental. It was a man's look with a strong sense of identity and compassion. He turned and looked at Peter. Peter absolutely melted and went away and sobbed. That's the last time he saw Jesus. Go tell the disciples and Peter that same individual care for just one person as he cares for you. I know you have a hard time believing it you want to? Can you believe that Jesus knows you and cares about you, no matter where you've been or what you've done with your life, whatever you've screwed up with, by, in doing, saying, thinking, denying him, rejecting him, not serving him, being self-serving, your life being about you and your recreation, your place in life? Your stature, your pleasure, your economic status. Jesus turns and looks at you and he knows you. Go tell the disciples and put your name in there. He cares about you. Can you believe that? My goal in finishing up this sermon is that you leave here knowing that, believing it, and trusting it. By the same token, let me mention this. When they said, no, we won't believe, that unbelief was very profound. Jesus turns up, just in the same chapter, chapter 20 of John, he turns up with all the disciples except one was missing. Thomas and he rebukes them for their unbelief and demonstrates that it really is himself but Thomas wasn't with them you know the other piece of Thomas's name doubting Thomas so when he arrives he wherever he was off whatever he was doing he gets back with the team they're all shut up in the room and they say, we've seen the Lord. It's true what the women said, what Magdalene, Mary Magdalene said. It's true. We've seen Jesus and the profundity of the denial in Thomas's. And I put my finger in the nail prints and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And about a week later, they're all together, this time Thomas with the disciples and whoever else was there. And Jesus turns up in the room, doesn't come in through a door, the doors are locked. Suddenly Jesus is present, visibly present that is. And who is the first person he goes to? You're guessing at this point. And you've probably guessed right. It was Thomas. Went directly to him. And he said, Thomas, see my hands. Put your finger in the nail prints. Put your hand in my side. No longer be unbelieving. All Thomas could respond was, my Lord and my God. And worshipped him. But what is Jesus expressing? The same tender love that he showed Mary Magdalene and passed on to Peter via Mary Magdalene and now very directly to Thomas. What do you think went through Thomas' mind? This is a critical question. What do you think went through Thomas's mind when he saw Jesus? My goodness me, he is alive. That's, that's response number one. When Jesus comes to him and says, put your finger in the nail prints, Thomas, and your hand in my side, what do you think his thought was? he heard me say that he knew I said it he was there I couldn't see him but he was there like he was here like he was here in this room with all of us before he made himself visible and he's now calling me to account for what I said a week ago Jesus is here. You can't see him any more than the tens of thousands, maybe millions of messages that are coming through here right now. Email, texts. It's great that no phone has gone off here yet. I know at the earlier service I immediately felt my pocket to see if I had my phone on me. I actually was doing a funeral on one occasion in a funeral home when my phone went off in my pocket. And I ignored it and went on and let them wonder where the sound was coming from. (laughs) And I never did fess up. I just let it stop ringing. I just kept on going like... Whose phone is that? (laughs) One time, I tell you, this is just a fun comment. One time it happened when I was doing a 50th wedding anniversary re-saying of vows. It happened to be in an informal setting, which was just as well. But at that point, it was absolutely no doubt whose phone was ringing. (laughs) So in the middle of the vows, if you can imagine... And the middle of talking, you know the prayers that it was like a little mini wedding service, 50th anniversary, people standing around all over the place. I took the phone out. I said, "Hello." I said, "Is that you, Lord?" I said, "I was just talking to you on the other line." put it back in my pocket and went on with the service <laughs> the person the other end had no idea i know who it was because she said i she told my wife she said i've just had the strangest conversation with your husband <laughs> those messages are coming through here right now really you know i'm telling you the truth if you had the right equipment and you had it turned on you might even get one yourself. A message. Jesus is here. You can't see him. But he is here. I was not raised to go to church. It's a thrill for me to be able to talk to you. Regular churchgoers. And. Maybe some of you are kind of finding your way in. I'm always aware that if there's one person here who's like I was when I first went to church, you have my sympathies. Because I went to church chasing a girl who'd broken my heart. I never went to church. First time to church was chasing this girl who dumped me. I never caught up with her. But the minister was preaching and he was more than halfway worth listening to. Very direct. In fact, I've modeled my preaching after his preaching. Sort of, I hope it sounds masculine and direct, just talking the truth. But in a way that I want you to believe it and encourage you to believe it. And that's the way he preached. So i modeled my preaching on him. And Billy Graham, who was the only other preacher I had heard at the time I started preaching... Because I got converted listening to Billy Graham. And I got to Billy Graham because that preacher, as I walked out of the church, said, we're going to hear Billy Graham this week, will you come? And I couldn't say no. And I went to hear him and yielded my life to Jesus. Asked him to come in. Went forward. Couldn't believe that Billy Graham was asking people to stand up and come forward. Could not believe it. I thought it was just hard sell. American Yankee hard sell. I didn't know the difference between the South and the North in those days. As far as we were concerned in England, he was still a Yankee, though he's from North Carolina. But I tell you this, I went because of that invitation. Nobody. I didn't belong to this chap's church, this minister's church. He clearly spotted me as somebody who needed to be at the Billy Graham crusade. I was way too cool for the straight-looking people in this church at that time. Pretty uncool now with this uniform on, but I tell you. (laughs) I'm trying to convince you of how unchurched I was. So I hadn't clue when they stood up and sang and sang Anglican chant. Are you kidding me? I was into Elvis Presley and Bill Haley and the Comets. Some of you know who they were. And here they were. Oh, be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with us. No rhyme, no reason, no meter. And I don't know where they got the words from. They were juggling Three books. I was absolutely unchurched, no idea, and Jesus got a hold of me, as if I were the only person who needed him. You have no idea what a nobody I really felt. My father committed suicide when I was seven years of age. It was during the Second World War. My mother was left with three little boys, and I was the oldest of them at seven years of age. We never went to church. We never prayed. We never said grace. There was no Bible in the home. And from that moment on we were poor, very very poor. I don't know how my mother survived. I don't know how we got through. I can remember going to the pantry and all there was in the pantry where food should have been just an old cheese rind. Some of you don't even know what a cheese rind is but it's the sort of cotton wrapping that's around a big piece of cheese, and when you cut off a piece, it's the last that's left. You've cut all the cheese away, and there's this cotton-cum-cheese wrapping. And I would go in there and gnaw on it. I tell you that because I grew up like a nobody. I couldn't play school soccer because I didn't have a pair of soccer boots. And I remember when my mother scraped together enough money to buy me and my brother Tony a pair of soccer boots each. And we didn't have a soccer ball, but we had boots, and we wanted to wear them and play. So we put them on and went out in the backyard put down a couple of jackets. He was the goalkeeper and I was shooting on goal. And I had some brilliant shots. No ball. And he made brilliant saves. No ball. I said, do you see that shot? He said, do you see that save? Jesus got a hold of me. The night I asked Jesus to come into my life, I walked out onto the streets of London and knew that I had a Father and that He cared for me. So wonderful to be here with Greg and Meredith, as well as Nina Rodman on the organ. She and her husband, Stuart, served on the board of an evangelistic team of which I was the preacher. To know and love Jesus transformed my life, transformed my mother's life, and a brother's life. I recently went to see two brothers in Australia, which is no little journey, to talk to them about Jesus one more time this year. Because without him, life is empty. Whatever else you have, without him, it's just flying by. With him and nothing else, you have eternal life. Heaven is your home and you have a sense of destiny because now you've got a destination and you know it and it's all wrapped up in you and Jesus let me ask you to bow your heads with me and we'll pray to him and in praying to him the wonder of this moment is that we have imaginations and without An imagination, believe it or not, it is impossible to have faith. Faith in a God you can't see. Faith is the substance of things unseen. It's not make believe. It's the reality that Jesus is here. Use your imagination to see him coming right to where you are sitting. And as he walks down the aisle and he comes to your row and then he comes to you. And it's you he's come to be with. And you see him looking at you and as you lift up your face and look back at him. In your mind's eye do you see him looking at you, loving you and he knows you by name not just a name like on a list but everything that you are that's wrapped up in your being Suzanne or Florence or Michael do you see him looking at you loving you Hear Him as He looks at you. Say your name. I'm going to speak to Him in response on your behalf. I want you to say this prayer out loud, phrase by phrase. Speaking back to this Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus. So you need to be ready for this prayer. Hear him one more time, say your name. And say back to him, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming to me this morning. Thank you for speaking my name. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Fill me with Yourself. Forgive me all my sins. Drive out all the doubt and darkness. I give myself to You. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Indeed, thank you, Lord Jesus, for a moment like this to experience you, your love for us, and to be able to respond to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.